Shalom, this is another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel, experiencing aspects of life here, to give you a window to look through that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co and follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting offers. And please feel free to share this with others who will also find it of interest. So today, we're having a unique conversation because this week, the Jewish people around the world celebrate Shavuot. In, in, in English and in Christian terms, people will know of it as Pentecost, though they're very, very different. And, and we're not going to get into the nuance of Shavuot and, and how we celebrate and all of the details that it means. But I want to highlight one really, really important thing as it relates to the holiday and as it relates to us as a Jewish people. On Shavuot, we read the book of Ruth. And actually, I've been reading a book about the book of Ruth, if that's not a double negative, that's been so enlightening because Ruth is so is fascinating on so many levels. I, I, I would love to have a rabbinic conversation about that another day, and maybe I will. But Ruth, as we understand in the Jewish people, is one of, it's debatable, was she the first convert to Judaism? But Ruth is the penultimate convert to Judaism. When she declares, your people will be my people, your God is my God. And when she goes with her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to, and, and, and the, the language is very precise in the Hebrew, back to Judea, back to uh, Israel, um, we're talking about a woman who is embracing Judaism more than just tagging along with her mother-in-law. So what I what we're doing today is really fascinating, a little edgy, and I've got three great, great special guests to join us who I want to introduce. And you'll see the, the common denominator that brings us together to have this conversation. Gail Berman was a winner in the Metropolitan Opera Council auditions. I've heard her voice. It's tremendous. Since, go, since um, she has since gone on to perform in three continents and now is a teacher, a voice teacher, and her students can be found teaching and performing all over the world, including in Broadway and the operatic stage. Gail became a minister of music in a large Texas church while teaching at the university level. In the book, Double Life, that she and her husband co-authored, what it's called Double Life, One Family, Two Faiths, Gail chronicles her journey from being a minister of music to becoming an Orthodox Jew who now lives in Israel. Full disclosure, she's our neighbor. Since making Aliyah in 2008, Gail has continued teaching, directing the acclaimed local women's chorus called Kolot Etzion and performing in a wide variety of other venues. Rachel Rizvi-Raz 
is currently the international relations manager of the Tisch Family Biblical Zoo here in Jerusalem. She has served a variety of roles professionally as a consultant and as a volunteer, including extensive experience in Jewish organizations and the Jewish world, having worked for the National Council of Jewish Women, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and Hadassah in Israel, just to name a few. Additionally, she served in two Israeli governments, working as foreign relations advisor to the Ministry of Industry and Trade and Labor, and in the Ministry of Communications and the Ministry of Finance. If I got all those commas correctly separating the the different government ministries. Rachel also served as the Diaspora Affairs Advisor to Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, serving as the primary liaison between the Office of the Prime Minister and the Jewish Diaspora. Rachel holds undergraduate degrees in Jewish history and in theology and has a master's in religious affairs from Hebrew University. Gail, Rachel, I'm so thrilled to see you. Welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Thank you, Jonathan. It's great to be here. So let's just jump in. Um, in case the, in case uh, our listeners haven't yet figured it out, the common denominator between our guests is that they are all converts to Judaism. Now, for some people listening right away, that might be an alarming statement because people don't know that you've, one can convert to Judaism. It's not something that we do. It's not something that's a big deal. We're not out not out there actively proselytizing, and in fact, typically the opposite. So I would just love to jump in following the model of the Book of Ruth that we read every year and and ask our guests. Um, We'll maybe begin with you, Gail. We'll just stay in alphabetical order. How did you become interested in and then decide to convert to Judaism? And so I don't forget, um, I'd love to know how your family and friends reacted. First of all, I grew up a very... um, Froom, so a very observant Christian, and I was always in our family. Always went to church. I would always, we all always sang in the choirs, and I eventually became a church organist. So I played organ in church even in high school, and then continued that path for a long time, being becoming director of music and churches and organist and choir director. And but all the while also singing in churches and, and professionally outside. Um, so I really would have to say I knew a lot about the quote unquote Old Testament. And um, I was working in churches and all of a sudden somebody I was in San Antonio, Texas, working full time at a church and someone brought my husband to meet me. <laughs> And um, he actually was Jewish, but he was nice enough to sing in the choir with me. Anyway, long story short, we hit it off and ended up getting married. And it's a long story, which I won't bore you with right now. Well, read by the book. Yes, uh, by the book, which is Double double Life. life. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, So basically, we spent a few years as an intermarried couple and decided to adopt children. Um, So uh, that was a little bit of a catalyst, definitely a catalyst for Harold becoming observant because he grew up as a non-observant Jew. And um, so he did a lot of reading and a lot of soul searching, which caused me to do a lot lot more reading and a lot of soul searching and learning from what he was reading. And then eventually, I found myself with the church choir only doing 
quote unquote Old Testament um, themes and no, nothing ever that mentioned um, Jesus. <laughs> and and so I looked at that and then I, in the middle of things, I realized I no longer wanted to take communion. So I didn't. And they were there. The church was wonderful about it. They, the usher just said, we, we just won't give it to you. And um, somebody else asked once, haven't you converted to Judaism? <laughs> and apropos to our story about Ruth, the, the, that church always did an Old Testament reading. And so one Sunday, they did the Old Testament reading about Ruth. And they decided, wouldn't it be fun for different ones of us on the staff to be different characters in the story? So guess who they decided should be Ruth? Gail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it was kind of like, this is Bashir. (laughs) So um, that that kind of got me going. I want to interrupt for a second and come back. A a, a moment ago, we record these, even though it's an audio podcast, record these by video because I like to see who I'm talking to. And I like to see the interaction. Rachel, a moment ago, I want to come back to to you and your story. But a moment ago, when Gail was speaking about being an intermarried family, you nodded somewhat aggressively. What was was there something there that there was an interesting trigger? No, no, I was just being encouraging. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to go immediately after this podcast. I'm going to go out and buy her book because you know that's okay. I, 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 anyone who's written a book has my deep respect. Um, very nice. Not an easy thing to do, but um, it, it's a, it's very interesting because it's a very okay. uh, different path from the path that I took. Yes. Well, so you know what? Now that I've interrupted Gail, and I apologize, but we're gonna. I want to come back, Rachel. What what was your path? Um, how how did you? become interested in and then decided to convert? Well, I think I probably came from a much more intellectual side of things. As you might have heard in Jonathan's introduction, I have done a few degrees in this subject. Um, I have degrees in Jewish history, in theology, um, a master's in religious affairs. Um, From a very young age, it always fascinated me, um, the Jewish religion and the Jewish people, and quite Coincidentally, just a few days ago, my professor at Hebrew Uni- at, uh, at Melbourne University in Australia, I'm originally from Australia, passed away. And when I was writing uh, a few words to his family, I, it suddenly occurred to me that the correct phrase would be, he was my gateway drug to Whoa. Judaism. Wow. So that, that, that really, really, like, that's the word. He was the one who introduced, opened the doors for me and showed me the, the beauty and the richness of the, of the Jewish religion and the jewish culture and the jewish history he a was jewish a jewish man yes yes he was okay. a, he was a, he was the professor of uh, of jewish studies at okay. uh, melbourne university later at monash university and and of the jewish language of hebrew so i really started that journey when i was in at, at um at university um and then he was the one who encouraged me to come on a one-year program in israel and that was basically the end of the story i got here i arrived to jerusalem and i think you know, you know, Jerusalem is one of the few countries in the world that, or cities in the world that has its own syndrome. There's actually a, a syndrome called the Jerusalem syndrome. Yeah. Um, it's a psychological disorder. I'm not claiming that I have that, but um, <laughs> there, there, it is actually a documented uh, disorder that people come to Jerusalem and go crazy. But then there's a lot of other people who are not crazy, like myself, um, who come to Jerusalem and realize that this is the place they're meant to be. They find some kind of uh, peace some kind of wholeness in uh, their soul when they come to Jerusalem. So I was one of those people and I arrived in Jerusalem, which obviously is 
in my eyes, is the center of the world. It's everything you ever read about it. Everything has happened in Jerusalem. Um, and to, to this very day, every time I go to Tel Aviv or, or go somewhere else outside of Jerusalem, when I come back into Jerusalem, my heart leaps. Um, so I came here. I realized that this was what I was meant to do. This is what I was meant to be. And uh, I converted here in Israel. So that I was, I'm glad you just said that because, Gail, I cut you off before you got to be able to get to that point. You didn't convert here in Israel. You converted in America, correct? Correct. In fact, at the time we converted, uh, making Aliyah, moving to Israel, was not even on the horizon. It wasn't even a, 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 a little spark of anything in I, any of our heads. Um, but by the time I converted, basically, we had adopted both my son and daughter. And um, so uh, when it finally, <laughs> it was a long process, again, it's in the book, but it was a very long process, not my fault, but because of uh, circumstances, which are explained in the book, in the book. but um, so we finally got to, by the time we lived in Boston, when I started the conversion process, and then we lived in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is on the other side of the state, by the time I converted, and um, so we, I converted, and then we converted both my son and my daughter, and which also is explained <laughs> in the book. Um, but so that was kind of how it happened. However, um, it's a long story, but we, not, nobody knew that I wasn't Jewish at that point because of my husband's job. Um, and so we went back to Boston, actually for the wedding we we went to the mitzvah in springfield and then went to boston for the wedding and it was just an amazing experience but like i said we hadn't even thought about aliyah um that was maybe a couple of years later that we finally decided to do it and i was so thankful because my rabbi made sure that i converted in a way that i would be accepted as a as a convert in israel which which is also which is a deeper conversation, and that's right. I think uh, <laughs> right. re- important for current dynamics and in, and in the celebration. Just we find ourselves in the seventy fifth anniversary of the uh, independence of the state. A different kind of conversation, but but important. Um, you were in America. Your families were in America. How did your family? You, it was a fascinating, by the way, that the church you were attending already thought some people already thought you were had converted to Judaism and were and in a sense were kind of receptive uh to that how did people respond when you actually went through the process well I I will be honest I was not real uh public about it partially because of the fact that where we lived in Springfield before I converted everybody thought I already had you know they they either thought I was born Jewish or had converted. They just never asked, <laughs> except for the rabbi and the rabbitson. No, I am the chairman of the board. Well, anyway, um, but my family, um, I grew up in a family that was not like really conversational. I mean, we talked a lot, but we didn't really talk about what was on, going on in deeply and that kind of thing. And so my family, the way I would know they want information, would they would ask questions. And first of all, my mother, by the time I converted, was in a nursing home with dementia. Uh-huh. Okay. So I just thought, no sense, you know, even bothering her with that. And my dad, um, 
basically it was when I announced to him that we were moving to, moving to Israel, um, he started showing me all the kosher foods in his pantry. <laughs> because my brother-in-law is was Jewish. So. Uh-huh, okay. Um, okay. But but anyway, so he just um he knew I had converted, but he didn't ask because he didn't want me to hear. I know he didn't want me to hear me say it. Got it. However, in time, my niece asked me, she said, Did you convert? And I said, Yes. And and she said, Well, I thought so. We all thought so. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't until after my both of Got my it. parents passed away that it really came out in the open. But okay. they were very receptive. Very Rachel, receptive. When, when you came here, it was, I think, probably already, we may still have had pay phones where you had to put tokens in. But, um, well, yeah, we had the card. We had the... Oh, there were, there were electronic cards already. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. dating myself. I'm, yeah, you're, you're dating me, Jonathan. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm, no, you're younger <laughs> than I am. So good. There we go. But, or or you, came here, you came here later than I did. But um, how did your family... You, were, you, 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 didn't, ha- you didn't have these in- individual conversations, I gather, with your parents because they were thousands of miles to the east. Well, fascinated to the the other other side of the of the world in Australia. Um, I I didn't have also I was in my my early twenties, so I think at that stage I know as the mother of someone who's in the early twenties, I don't know how many deep conversations you have with your children who, when they're in their late teens and, and their early twenties because they're very much interested in what they are doing, less more what your parents are doing. Um, I, my family always knew that I was interested in Judaism. Obviously they saw me study my undergraduate degrees. Um, I like Gail. I, I didn't have long conversations with about the rationale why I wanted to join the Jewish people. Um, probably for the same reasons as, as Gail is it's sometimes it's hard to explain. And sometimes it's hard to explain without saying um, negative things about, the another person's religion like sometimes in order to say well I've chosen this religion because this this and this can be seen in a negative way by people who belong to another religion it's like saying well my religion's better than yours um I just remember one of the main things my mother said was she when I told her I was converting she was like well it's a good that good thing that I gave you a good Jewish name like Rachel isn't it Wow. <laughs> um, so that that was that that really basically Excellent. you know that that sums it up that that's that's my mum's attitude to life she's like well if that's what's happening well at least you have a have a good name for it um, so she was yeah that that you know what my, my family obviously found it hard to have me so far away and Israel in those days was experiencing uh the the awful second intifada and every time I, I used to go home once a year to Australia and they would always say when are you moving back um mm. Which to this day I have not done. <laughs> I'm still here. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, I want to take a quick break. This is fascinating. I'm really so engaged. I've never really had this conversation with either of you. And I'm going to uh, come right back and pick up the conversation. For most of us, the COVID pandemic is behind us, but there are still opportunities that you may not know about that can help you, your church, other nonprofit, or business. The Employee Retention Tax Credit. ERTC is important for all employers to explore and potentially receive a significant financial credit for having retained employees during the COVID shutdowns and business disruptions. If you have not already applied to receive the ERTC, part of the U.S. CARES Act, for your church, nonprofit, or business, 
please reach out to my friend, Liz Browser, who can help you. Liz is from Sheridan Wealth Advisors, a boutique tax advisory firm based in Miami. She provides honest and customized concierge service with a strong specialty in nonprofit and faith-based organizations. On top of being a great professional, Liz is really one of the good guys. She embraces the importance of building bridges between Jews and Christians. It's personal, so much so that she and Sheridan Wealth Advisors will donate a portion of their income to support the Genesis 123 Foundation in building bridges between Jews and Christians. It's what I call a win-win-win-win. Reach out to Liz directly in the U.S. at 954-258-6097, 954-258-6097, or email at liz at sheridanadvisors.com. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, this has been great. Um, one of the, the, the interesting thing, Rachel, it's so fascinating that you were saying how you want to read Gail's book because I'm learning from each of you already in, in 20 minutes that each of you can be a book and ought to be a book. And, and so I feel bad condensing a conversation with a few of you down to an hour, but we're, we'll, we'll jump in anyway. One of the, I mentioned in the introduction, one of the things in Judaism is that we do not actively go out and seek converts. Um, we, that's not ever been part, well, that's some, some will debate, but it's not been a major uh, thing in Judaism for 4,000 years, although many people have um, tagged along and that's wonderful. Uh, but, and I, uh, but my question is, there's a tradition in Judaism that when you seek to convert, the, whoever you approach, a rabbi, presumably, is supposed to discourage you. Not once, not twice, but three times. Did you have that, either of you? Oh, yes. Yes, really. <laughs> yes, I went to speak with a rabbi about what I wanted to do. And he said, why would you ever want to join a people who has been so... Uh, downtrodden and people hate and there's so much anti-Semitism. We had the Holocaust. Why do you want to join a people that everybody hates? And um, I said, I know what he said. Do you realize what kind of people you're asking to join? And I said, yes. And I, I'm all on board. And then um, the first, my first meeting with the Beit Din was the Boston Beit Din. Beit Din and, is the rabbinic court for those who don't right. know. And um, the head of the Beit Din, well, the, the, <laughs> there was one guy who acted like the head of the Beit Din. I'm not sure he was, but he just yelled at me and said, why, why do you want to convert? How, how can you live the rest of your life without singing the, the Mozart Requiem? How can you live the rest of your life without conducting the you know, Verdi Requiem? And um, for people who don't know, there, there are issues with um, women singing and, and that kind of thing. So, um, I, but he, he finally ended with, you don't have to convert. And I said, yes, I do. And I said it just like that. Wow. Okay. And, and I, and so I thought, okay, 
that's two times. <laughs> When's the third time going to drop? And I honestly don't remember a third time. Okay, well, but, I, I, I was just... But I figure but, I worked hard enough against those two that, that they made up for it. Very good. And and Rachel, how about you? You were here. Um, I was here. And, um, I think the process here in Israel to convert is a different process. Obviously, it's that you're in a different... Uh, scenario um in in israel being a jew you're part of the majority not part of the minority as gail was in uh in the states so i think it's a different a very different uh somewhat easier i think way to do it because everything here is kosher everything's you know there's synagogues yeah. there's the, the, the amount of effort you have to be to be a jew in america is a lot higher than the effort you have to be a jew in israel when you're part of the majority religion um in israel they're just basically they make it just basically an unpleasant and difficult process, which I sort of figure is the is their way of saying, well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna if you really want to join the people, you're gonna suffer first. So you, you know, you're gonna catch up on your suffering. So it's quite a it's quite a, a unpleasant bureaucratic process. Um, I was very very blessed that I um, was able to to learn with rabbis from the Rabbinical Council of America who had retired to Israel. So uh, my rabbi said to me, first be a good person, then be a good Jew. Okay. Um, and that very much has been my, how I live my life. Um, first being a good person and then being a good Jew, um, which, you know, they were the words of wisdom to live by, I think. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a shorter process, I think, in Israel than in, in the States. It takes about a, a year, a year and a half, depending on your, on your knowledge levels. I obviously came with a, a lot of back knowledge. I had degrees in a, and I had studied a lot of Jewish history and Jewish uh, thought and religion beforehand um and i also had the privilege when i was in government of coming full circle and being the prime minister's representative on the palfon committee for the for for conversion which was discussing the conversion situation here in israel and how we're going to improve the bureaucracy and uh improve how we bring people into the the jewish fold um i think that was a nice closure to have someone who actually had been through that process as the representative of the prime minister of the state of Israel. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, but also in the intro, when I uh, mentioned that you were also the representative to diaspora, I, I, I chuckled to myself when I first read that because you were never a diaspora Jew. So you understand <laughs> life. Jonathan, don't, of- don't tell, don't tell people these things, you're, but you're exactly right. I've never lived as a Jew outside of the state of Israel. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's fascinating. Okay. So th- there's a lot to, to talk about and we're, we're now, uh, in Israel, all of us. And, and that obviously tags into the concluding penult of, of Ruth's two penultimate, uh, statements to Naomi that, uh, where you go, I will die and uh, I will go and there I will be buried. And I'm just using loose translations. People can look at the original or, or in Hebrew or, or any translation that they want. But when you become, I mean, that which is fascinating. And again, that should be a rabbinic dialogue because you were exposed to things that were more challenging um, uh, than Ruth. Ruth made a statement. I mean, that's what we know. We, there, there's a backstory, of course. And then there's, then you become, then there's the transformative process a process where you go to the mikvah, the ritual bath, a process where you go, Gail already mentioned the Beit Din, a rabbinic court. What for, uh, Rachel, let's start with you. You were here. What for you was that like final trigger moment? There are a couple of 
final steps before you actually considered Jewish? And what was really um, meaningful for you about that? Well, I, I think the process is quite, and this is one of the things I was adamant about when I was on the uh, the committee, that the process needs to be much more welcoming. So when I was doing it, the, the process was not welcoming. I was very lucky to have good rabbis, but the the process through the Israeli bureaucracy is not a process that is encouraging. And, uh, you know, in Judaism, they say a, a convert, a newly converted person is like a baby. They must be brought up. They must be be nurtured in their faith. Um, uh, for me, okay, I was, I was, I've already worked in government and stuff like that. For me, the, the ultimate moment was when I re- finally received that final document from the Interior Ministry where it said that I was Jewish. Interesting. You know what? Until you, get that, until you get that piece of paper, it doesn't matter if you've been to the mikveh. It doesn't matter if you've passed the bet din. Until you have that piece of paper, it doesn't mean anything unless you have that piece of paper. So I think for me that was very important. And uh, obviously I think that if the ultimate the ultimate uh, conclusion for me will be when you see your daughter under the chuppah, when you see uh, your children getting married in the state of Israel as a Jew, then you know well, you've finished. You've well, done. I, I, I'll fast forward a little bit. The ultimate, ultimate is the grandchildren. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say the ultimate was my daughter um, joined the army, was recruited into the Israeli Defense Forces uh, in December. So that's also sort of like another, well, look what okay. I've done. Uh, you're saying the grandchildren you know, you're, then, you, then later on you'll say when the grandchildren get married so you just it's a never-ending process and thank god for that look right. i was born jewish and didn't have the challenges you had um becoming jewish um but i will tell you that hands down uh yeah you, you import a family of, of of children and you send some off to the army and you send some off to funerals of of people that they knew or knew of as victims of war and terror and that's all that all goes to being part of the same people um but but somehow the grandchild thing also for another conversation is the, is the high um, gail how about you um what was that what was that mean that one meaningful moment uh i love what you said rachel because you you said that by the way very much as an israeli acknowledging <laughs> I, i'm already jewish let's deal with the bureaucracy <laughs> there, there is a lot of bureaucracy in it, and um, I think in, in some ways you asked about being turned mm-hmm. away, and in some ways I think the bureaucracy and just the time that it takes sometimes is also kind of, are you sure you want to do this? We want to make sure you're really sure. And um, so my rabbi in Springfield wanted to go through, you mentioned the Rabbinic Council of America, oh, Rachel mentioned the Rabbinic Council of America. And um, so my rabbi wanted to go through them and that's how he wanted to be sure that I would be accepted as a convert, as a Jew actually in Israel. And um, they took forever. I mean, they took absolutely, it was at least a year that, that the rabbi said, you're ready to go. You're good to go. And, and then he told, he kept calling the, the RCA and saying, you know, this is a good one. I know this is a good one. You know, it was just, no, they took their times going through the pile. So there you and, go, Gail. That was the third rejection. You just didn't realize that that was right. part of the there third, uh, that, that was the third exactly. time you're looking for the third you're time. Right. There it was. That's right. You're right. And then the time finally came. And like my rabbi said, you know, you're just making official what you already Uh. are. 
Mm. And, and I said, you know, that's exactly the way I feel. And so that going through the actual mikvah and wed, I, I had to, my husband, I had to have a oh, sure. wedding, of course, too. So going through those things um, were really just to tell the public, okay, public, this is for real. I really am Jewish and we're really a Jewish couple now. And um, I forgot the original question. Oh, when I felt, oh, one thing I, I so distinctly remember um, was going into the mikvah and how warm and embracing it felt. I thought, <laughs> okay, now I, you know, I just felt really enveloped by Judaism and the Jewish family and the Jewish Jewish people. And it's never been that warm since, but um, <laughs> but it, it was amazing that, that first time. Amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, one, uh, this, we're going to interrupt the middle of this conversation, but one of the things that I don't understand and I can't get my arms around, which is why I wanted to have this conversation, is I can see how someone can change their belief system and adopt another faith. But when I look back at Ruth, your people will be my people. How, how do you embrace a peoplehood? How do you relate to Abraham? I mean, okay, it's a monotheist, Abraham being called by God, but certainly the enslavement of the Jewish people in Egypt and more modern, the the Holocaust and everything in between. And now we're all here in Israel and the challenges and the eyes of being here. No challenges, Rachel. Um, yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Everything's fine um, in Israel. Um, but how do you, how do you do, how do you follow that? Your people will be my people. How do you relate to that? Well, I don't I think understand I, it. I think I sort of, you know, I, I sort of mentioned it before when I was saying about my professor being my gateway drug um, to Judaism, because I think that you can't just come in with the religion. Like you say, it's not just a religion. It's also a people. It's also ethnicity. Um, and, and because I, was, I have been privileged over the years to study so much of Jewish history, of Jewish culture, of Jewish religion, and of, Jewish lang- of the Hebrew language, I think that that's given me a lot of, you know, background and 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 made me feel that I really know what I'm joining and I know a lot about it and I appreciate the fact that I have had the ability to learn. I'll give you an example, which is I always found this is quite a strange thing. Back when I was in government, I I was flying to uh, something in Berlin, and I was upgraded to business class on Lufthansa. So I'm sitting there. And the and the the hostess is you know fussing around arranging the the salt and pepper and the knives and forks on the on the table in a business class and really making them go exactly straight and exactly and I'm sitting there and what went through my head this is how they killed us which is a very strange thing to go through my head because I did not my family didn't go through the Holocaust right. I, I I wasn't Jewish. I don't have that genetic imprint that a lot of Jewish people have of the, the suffering and the terrible things that they've been through. But here I was sitting on a German airplane and that's what I thought of. And so I sort of thought, well, 
there you go. That's how I know I'm Jewish because I, that, that, it's a strange way to know you're Jewish, but that's how I knew I, like, I must be Jewish because I, I'm like disturbed by the, the hostess organizing the, uh, the cutler in such a straight and orderly manner. Somebody, so somebody else who understands history could see that, but the, 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 the Ruth phrase that you just said is this is how they killed us. Um, and it's funny because as you're narrating your Lufthansa flight, uh, <laughs> I've, I've also flown through Lufthansa and, and uh, Austrian. And while we're 80 plus years out and I have friends who are German and Austrian, and I know it's not the same every time I hear the announcements in German, I think this is the last language that my relatives heard. Someone shouting to them in German. Um, but you, 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 you got it. Like, so I, I don't know how I, it's a great example, but like, it's a great example. It's a great, Gail, how do you, how do you become your, your, your relatives also were not killed in the Holocaust. Your, your relatives did not leave Egypt. No, my relatives did leave Germany though, but that's, that's for another story. Um, not in the book. What? That part's not well, a book. little bit. You'll find okay. out. Yeah, okay. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, a there's a hook on the at, at the end. It's kind of interesting. For the but, second book, you're um, gonna write, Gail. <laughs> well, no, the second book actually there were twelve con. I, I when when we first moved here, of course, I took Hebrew class, and um, there were twelve people in the Hebrew class, and only um, the, six of them were converts, mm-hmm. and of those six were female converts. So we actually have been in the process of writing a book um, about female converts who live over the green line. And, no. and that's going to be women over the line. So, cool. <laughs> so that crossed over both in, into Judaism and also crossed over outside the, the green line. But that's, that's um, I don't even know why I started that story. But um, when I was growing up, the Holocaust subject always pulled me. Mm. And I, I read, you know, of course, early on the diaries of Anne Frank and and just everything. And, and I still, if there's a new book out written by a survivor or just about the Holocaust, I I get it and I read it. And I, I just, I've always felt this draw toward these stories and these, these people. And when, um, when we came to Israel and I went, this was when we were just visiting and we went to Yad Vashem, I went into the children's memorial and I burst into tears. I, there is some, some connection. There was some connection. And when we went, there's a, um, you know, the model of Israel called Little Israel. Just looking at Yad Vashem in that little model of Israel, I burst into tears. Wow. So I, I, I guess I felt that draw all my life. And also I have felt close to the Jewish people because I read so much of the Hebrew scriptures growing up and just how it related even to what I read in the okay, New Testament. Okay. That I felt like I, I have that heritage. The narrative, so, you're part of the narrative. Yeah, heritage. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I I always felt like Judaism was my heritage. Interesting. And, and so, but then when, 
like some a student of mine put it that a friend of his converted to Judaism and he said, I wanted to to practice the the, the original religion. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go with the original one. And um and I just um so so as far as becoming a, a part of the people, I I just feel very much like Ruth. I, I feel very much like, okay, I see these people. I belong here. I was part of them before I actually converted. And right. and I really related to them. And being in, in Israel is just like the most amazing life for so, you. So <laughs> as you were both speaking, I want to pick up on something after this break. But you, you, we, we're, the trigger for this is Shavuot. And Shavuot is the holiday in which we read the book of Ruth. And so I want to encourage everyone to take time to read the book of Ruth and all of the fabulous commentary um, that, that, that exists uh, about that. Um, but right now let's just take a, a quick break and then we're going to come right back. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis one, two, three foundation. This year we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay. So, um, Gail and Rachel, thank you. This has been, in, uh, for me, enlightening, and I hope for everyone else. Um, talking about living here, and Rachel, again, it's fun that we have this opportunity to have the vid- the visual connection. So when I said something about challenges before, you're like, yeah, I know what challenges. I know a little bit about some of the unique challenges that you've uh, dealt with as an Israeli and as a Jew and, and, and those have nothing to do with this story, but there are challenges. And Rachel, you mentioned a, a few minutes ago that in December, your oldest daughter went into the army. Um, Gail, your oldest son and my son are the same age. They were in school together. Um, he's in and out of the army. Um, actually, my, as we speak, my son is in his first week of reserve duty, his first time yeah. doing reserves since he finished the army. What's that like sending your kids off to be and your daughter not to not to discredit she she didn't serve in the army but in national service but um what's it like sending your child off to be a soldier in the army of the state and of the Jewish people Well these days it's a very load, loaded question Jonathan uh, obviously because that's one of the the issues that are being discussed here in Israel about who serves and who doesn't serve I think for me, one of the, uh, at her swearing-in ceremony, my daughter is in a, in a, in a uh, combat position, um, a, ser- a serious position. She will <clears throat> serve as for oh, two years and eight months. 
um, like uh, like other like the male soldiers serve. Um, I think for me, one of the the highlights, you know, the, the theological flashbacks was when they're sworn in. They're sworn in. They're given their gun for the first time. So she's holding an M- M16, and on the other hand, she's holding a the Hebrew Bible, and it's a very powerful image. It reminds you of uh, Nehemiah. Like on one hand, you should do this, and on one hand, you should you should defend the ear. So for me, that was like. Wow, that was like a really biblical moment when you see your, your she was 19 when she was sworn in already, um, standing there and holding a, an M, a huge M16 rifle and on, in one arm and a Bible on the other hand. And that I think is uh, pretty much sums up the state of Israel, I think, in one, in one image. Yeah. Yeah, wow. there's a, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because when my son was sworn in, um, it was at the Kotel and we, I was able to get close enough to see him, get the pictures. And there's not, it's not just the, 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 our, the, the weapon and the Bible, but they've actually built here metal stands on which to assemble the, the, the guns that they're, that they're entrusted with and on which the Bibles are uh, laid out. And I think, wow, that, I mean, that piece of furniture doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Just that little metal stand with the guns and the, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Gail, how about you? I don't remember what what well, Micah did in the army, but well, well, um, I he was not in combat, so I didn't have quite the experience that you had, Rachel. Um, for me, that's a Baruch Hashem, but because um, I'm I'm very I'm very emotional when it comes to my children and <laughs> going and doing things, but. Um, Mike, Micah had some physical injuries on, in his back, and um, so he couldn't go into combat. But um, I actually, I've thought a lot about, because we've, we've posted like some Christian students and some who are like peace activists and, and that kind of thing. And, and they're, they're like, how do you feel when you're around a soldier with a gun? And I said, I feel very safe. And she just couldn't under, they couldn't understand that. But, and I reminded her, you know, it's called the Israel Defense Force. It wouldn't exist if we didn't have to defend ourselves from our neighbors. But, but as part of peoplehood, Gail, what did it do when you went to his induction? I, ah, I guess I can relate. I, I, I hope you don't take this wrong, but, um, our first year here, my daughter was in a ballet class. Okay, this is there's a reason I'm saying this. And um, I was I sat in on some of her ballet classes, and the teacher was speaking to them in Hebrew, and and I thought I I got emotional then. Okay, yeah, so sure. just imagine me, and and I just thought she is learning ballet in Israel yeah. <laughs> and in Hebrew in Hebrew and she yeah. didn't even know Hebrew yet um but um I I just think probably for any parent letting them letting the children serve in the, the country in any position I think is very meaningful and I I think it's part of why why we're parents in Israel is for our children as well as ourselves to be a part of the country and a part of all of the people in the country, all who are celebrating the same, sure. um, um, and, um, the same, um, 
sense of loss when someone is killed or murdered. And um, so I think that the uh, army, as well as everything else that we're experiencing in Israel, we're experiencing as a people. And like when the D's family had, had suffered their loss, the entire country shook. I mean, yeah, so it's whatever we do, whatever hard thing we do in Israel, it's because we're a people who wants to protect each other. Great. So I I love how you just said that, talking about a family of people. Um, Also, that is what Ruth said. Your people are my people. Right. Um, Right. We've talked about challenges what are what are share what's the best thing about being a jew in israel i hope you guys thought you can ask what's the best thing about the festival of uh of shavuot which obviously the answer correct answer is cheesecake cheesecake um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the best thing about being jewish wow that's jew, really... jew in israel yeah what's what... well a living in israel uh, you know Every single day, and as someone, like I said, who has studied the history, every day you like, you have these crazy experiences, which I think can only ever happen in Israel. I was taking a a group around the zoo the other day, and I knew that they were um, evangelical Christians, so I did a that I'll I'll try and like you know do a bit of a more Bible input input into my uh, into my guiding, and so I was looking up, and I was like, oh, we actually have two archaeological sites within the zoo. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, I should like see where they're mentioned in the Bible, which for me is like the fact that everything that goes on here is mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Like whether it's the way you do things or the way you cook things, the way you celebrate different holidays or the fact that, you know, in the middle of the Jerusalem Biblical Zoo, there's an archaeological site, which is basically mentioned, I think, in I think it's Judges 1559 or something random like that. It's just like one word and that's the place and that's the, that's in the middle of the zoo. And for me, the fact that you live your Judaism here, it's not something you do once a week when you go to, you go to synagogue or, or you go to your, your place of worship. Here, every single day, your Judaism is infused into your life. And I think that that is, for me, the beauty of Judaism in Israel in particular, that, like I said, you don't, it's very different from, I think, Judaism overseas. Here, you, you, know, you walk out the door and every, every second thing that goes on in your life is related to being Jewish, whether it's you walking past your mezuzah on the entrance to your, your door or you go downstairs and, you, um, and you, you go to the local shop and everything's kosher and, and, or even like strange little things like, you know, at the, at the zoo, the, it's, it's, we, we keep uh, obviously uh, the, the laws of Judaism and one of those laws is, and you, your listeners will know this from the, from the Bible, the, the law of tithing. That when in, in the Jewish religion, um, fruits and vegetables are tithed to the temple. Obviously, we don't have a temple we don't, at the moment and we don't have priests, but we still tithe our food here in Israel. So what do you do with the tithes? What do you do with the fruit and vegetables that are set apart for the, for the priesthood? So all of the animals at the zoo are actually owned by a priest, a Kohen. So we actually get all the, we get every morning, we send a little truck off to the tithing market. There's a thing about in Jerusalem wow. and, and we get fresh fruit and vegetables um, that we're, as we're not allowed to touch, um, but our animals are allowed to eat because they are the priest's animals. The priest cows is, is the actual term. 
So, you know, weird things like that, that, that you're living in the land of the Bible. You're living where everything happens. You're living a religion that is as ancient as, as the world itself. Um, and, and it expresses itself in the, the weirdest ways, um, particularly when you work at a zoo. Um, like I can tell you if a giraffe is kosher or not. Um, for me, in my current position, um, that's something I find really, really, really cool. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. For those who didn't hear the subliminal invitation, Rachel just at, invited you to come get a private tour at the Jerusalem building. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Gail, I mean, that was so rich. Gail, something that you would add, what's so amazing about living here and and, and living Well, I, I, I agree with Rachel. So much of it is everybody here is celebrating the same holidays they're celebrating Shabbat you know together all of every single one of my neighbors you know you 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 know that they are on Friday getting ready for Shabbat and you know on Shabbat they're not going anywhere and um and then just all of the inviting over because you know you can go and 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 eat at other people's houses yeah everybody on the block and that kind of thing. But one of the things that really struck me, I mean, there've been many <laughs> almost daily, but one thing that just came to my mind was during COVID, um, you know, we weren't supposed to be inside with other people. And so um, the great way that our community dealt with that was we did what we called Mirpeset Minions. And the an, good thing an outdoor is, prayer, an outdoor prayer, a worship. Yeah. Right. And so here we, we all, I mean, whoever could stayed on their, their porch and, and their balcony. And, but we could, we can hear everybody because um, we usually daven, we, we pray in our um, bunker, which is right outside our house. And on top is a flat roof. So the, the person leading the prayers would stand on the roof. And we'd all overlook from our balconies. So and, com- and community yeah. even during lockdown. Yes. Very yes. Nice. We couldn't it. invite each other to each other's houses, but we were able to pray together. Amazing. So I want to I begin to wrap up. Uh, in my mind, I think I have two, two more questions. Um, in Judaism, we treat, we're supposed to treat converts no differently than people who were born Jewish. Um, I know that's probably for another conversation. I know that that's not always um, the case. Uh, but the point being is that we each approach Judaism and our lives here through our unique prisms, and your prisms are unique. Uh, so when we read the Book of Ruth, for me, it reminds me of my mother. My mother died shortly after, uh, 17 years ago, um, shortly after Shavuot, and my mother's name was Ruth Leah, and we read about wow. the blessing um, given to to Ruth that she should prosper like Ruth, like Rachel and Leah in the Bible, and prosper in Ephrata. My mother had just been here, seeing her family prosper in Ephrata. So, in a wow, I still get emotional thinking about that. So that, yeah. that's my prism, but your prism is different. You didn't come at it from a originally from a Jewish perspective. So when we read the Book of Ruth and we study the Book of Ruth, and and on this holiday. When we're celebrating that, what does it mean to each of you, Gail? Um, I I relate very highly to Shavuot for se- for several reasons. One, because of Ruth. Two, because I live in Efrat, 
which is where she followed her mother Ruth to. I live on Hagoren, which means the um, threshing floor. And um, wow. I also I mm. also was interviewed my first year here by a woman writing an article about a convert for Shavuot, and she wanted to go find a field of wheat, you know, to relate. And it, there was a field of wheat right outside of Frat. So we she took a bunch of pictures of me there, and then wrote the mm. article. And um, and but I um, oh now I forgot what I was going to say. So well, Rachel, you go ahead, and I'll remember. I'm blown away by just that you fact that you live on Hagoran Street. Yes, am I? That's so cool. <laughs> goodness, goodness, oh, it doesn't other, get any better than that. <laughs> the other reason, which I was going to say, but Rachel got ahead of me on this one, is I love cheesecake. <laughs> so, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the tradition. Maybe our listeners don't know, but the tradition uh, in here in Israel on the festival of uh, of Sukkot of the Pentecost Shavuot. of the giving of Shavuot. the uh, Shavuot, I do that so, all the time. is a uh, <laughs> Uh, the festival, the giving of the of the Torah is that you eat uh, dairy foods. Yeah. So because you know, of the Torah being milk, like right. milk for yeah. No, it's not so a good. Rachel? It's not a good Jewish festival. There's not food. You know. No, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, when you're when you're reading Ruth, when you're when you're eating your cheesecake, what's what what's connecting you? I think the like I I do have to say I do look at it sometimes a little bit more cynically about how easy was it for for Ruth to convert and how how we have politicized and bureaucratized the whole process here in Israel of conversion when really it maybe should be that simple as it was back in the day you know when I converted um, my employees at Hadassah um, the Hadassah hospital uh, in Jerusalem gave me a necklace which I have to this day and then the necklace says Amek Ami, your my people, you uh Amek Ami, your people are my people. Um, and that obviously is the first thing that uh Ruth says. Yeah. Um, and then she says, Your God is my God. Right. Which really ties back in to to what my rabbi said to me when I converted was first be a good person, yeah, and then be a good Jew. Sure. And that, and that and that that for me, that's what I get out of Ruth, that you know. Be, be with your people and then be with your God. Um, in the Jewish religion, it's, you know, the, the, the mitzvot, the good deeds that you do one to another, and then obviously the, the, your relationship with God, they're, they're different things. And I think that if you look from the theological perspective about the, uh, the book of Ruth, in its simplicity, it, it, it really gives us a lot of uh, depth, which I think is probably more than a lot of the other, um, the other books in the Bible. It, it sounds very simple. But yet in its simplicity, it's explaining things that are very, very meaningful and very important that we really need to delve into more. Very much so. And I, I don't have the book in front of me if anyone wants to get a great, thick 500-page dissection of Ruth. I, I don't look read books that long. I thought it was on my shelf. I wanted to read. In no time, I got a quarter of the way through the book. It's delightful. Please email me and reach out. Um, because you just said it, Rachel, it's one of the simplest books it's human. It's just a very basic human interaction. And also what you mentioned about the construct that she said, first, your people are my people, and then your God is my God. And then that, that's kind of where I wanted to wrap up is that I'm inspired and grateful. I, I mean, fond of both of you and, and, and who you are and your families and, and being here, but you so vividly not just represent your people are my people, but the conclusion 
is that where you go, I will go, and there I will be buried. This is our life, and it's our life. It's not we're we're together as a people. Um, and as I was saying before, um, Rachel, yes, it's amazing to raise your children here. But wow, I just pray for you and Gail at the right time. That grandparent thing. That's sort of the <laughs> the richness of and 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 by the way, and maybe that's a suitable conclusion. Why Ruth? Ruth is what the great grandmother of King David. It's through mm-hmm. Ruth that Ruth that we have the, the the Davidic dynasty, and from from whom the Messiah will come. And and that's not insignificant in any of this either. Um, okay. Any last quick thoughts before I wrap up, guys, ladies? No, thank you for having us. It's been a it was, delight. It was really a delight. Yes, I kind of knew where yes, I wanted thank to go. You very much. I wanted yeah. knew where I wanted to go with the conversation. I think that I even outdid myself. So because of you. So thank you. Um, We always say, and actually in this case, I'll retract a little bit at the end of the episodes. If you've stayed with us, you deserve a reward. Um, That's sort of self-deprecating. But this was amazing conversation. Uh, Last year, we started something really good. We're talking about books. Every month, we give away a special book. We call it From Jonathan's Bookshelf. Um, All we ask is that you do is go to the inspiration from Zion social media and follow and like us. And when you comment and share a link to this program there, we pick one person at random to receive a real special volume from my bookshelf that you'll want on yours. We're always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area, it's gorgeous country. Stop in and thank them for helping make conversations and con- uh, programs like this possible. And also thanks to our friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful support. Inspiration from Zion and all of the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider uh, helping us to continue the dialogue and build bridges. We always, we always have an episode sponsored in honor or memory of a person or an event. Um, I choose because we've had the conversation today and all of us have or have had children serving in the in the IDF um, who are defending the state and the people of Israel, that this will be in, in their honor, that, that uh, God willing, they will all serve, um, have a meaningful and safe service and continue to defend us in pride and, and that we never have conversations uh, of loss again. If you'd like to uh, sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion or the Israel Defense Forces, Please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We always love your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, specifically questions about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this program with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here where we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.